You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Two Sons of Tatooine. I am one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I am joined, as always, by our co-host, Jonathan Cohn. We are thrilled you could join us this episode, where we will be discussing Chapter 15 of The Mandalorian, entitled The Believer. This is the penultimate episode of Season 2, setting us up for next week's inevitable confrontation between Mando and Moff Gideon. Uh, this installment, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who returns again from his work on Season 1, also saw the return of Bill Burr's character, uh, Migs Mayfield. Uh, we also got a guest appearance by Richard Brake as the Imperial officer and former commander of Mayfield, uh, Valen Hess. There were a lot of deeper themes this episode for us to enjoy, and so we will get started now as I throw it to Jonathan. Uh, what was your overall opinion of the episode? Well, I'll start off by saying it's really unfortunate that we have nothing going on in Star Wars right now. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be so hard to find content for the next couple of years. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, obviously. Um, we had some great news this week. Great news. Man, I can't wait till we get to have a news episode. But we can't do it yet because we have to focus on Mando. But anyway, uh, this episode was really good. Um, looking at the first season, my favorite episode of the first season was Chapter 2, which was written by Filoni. Oh, sorry, written by Favreau, but directed by Famuyiwa. And my least favorite episode was written and directed by uh by uh, Famuyiwa. So he directed my favorite and least favorite in the first season. So I was curious that he was going to be writing it again. Uh, I think that this episode is definitely much better than his episode that he wrote in uh, season one. Uh, It was chapter six, I believe. Um, I thought it was very fun. It was very different. Um, uh, It was a tad predictable at times, but still very enjoyable. Um, very, uh, it, it paid off a lot of things we wanted to see. Um, uh, now has a lot of questions that I have after it. Um, and actually has already produced quite a bit of memes, um, uh, which we'll get to really? in a minute. Oh yeah. With two, two specific things. One of them, you will, I know, you know about this one, but the second one, uh, I, I thought it was interesting, but overall enjoyed the episode. It's probably towards the bottom of this season, but that's because this season has been so amazing that something's got to be closer to the bottom. So this is like, you know, down there for me, but still mm. an excellent episode. Hmm. I'm interested to hear as you, as you, maybe if I give you some of my perspectives, if, if you change your mind and your estimation of it, because the uh, to me the script this episode and the themes were the most developed and by far more uh, I would say more insightful about the mm-hmm. characters and developing Dinjarin than anything we've gotten this season. Although we've di- we'd, we'd get some of that build as you know along the way, and I'm referring to a lot of the conversations that were delivered by Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, but polit- some of those things had been set up by. Uh, First with the first episode with Cobb Vant taking his helmet off and then with, uh, I guess, Bo-Katan taking hers off and introducing Mm -hmm. um, that he was he was a child of the watch and she was not. 
and uh, Boba Fett reinforcing the same thing. Some of those things have been really, really developed and came to a head this episode. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bill Burr was, uh, he was a very interesting and uh, unlikely cast to develop those, those things. And yet he, he's very, because he is a talker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was one of those things. Is if you were watching his dialogue, he says a whole lot in a short amount of time because he's he's a comedian, I guess his trade, and so he, he talks pretty well. But um, it was good that they got Femi Yua back because he had he had you know directed him in in season one, mm-hmm. which I liked that episode a, a, a lot more than you had. I, I thought that was a really fun episode to watch. It was a nice side adventure with. Um, <clears throat> You know, all of these these fun new bounty hunter characters, kind of mercenary, you know, can't trust them types. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so I guess we'll just get into the, this episode. And as we come across those things, um, I'm hoping that you and I can delve more into, like, you know, not just the lore, but the ideology behind it and the things that are real world that are presented. So um, we start out and we get this great, uh, you know, look at the, I guess it's like a, a junk kind of a field where they're taking apart ships and things like that and salvaging and and uh that's where that's where Migs Mayfield has been spending his time uh labor camp maybe his republic labor camp for prisoners it's Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's that's fine yeah and uh and uh get some fun interactions with this droid and we see Cara Dune again and uh I like that she showed up right right to the point I'm I'm here to reprimand him into my care um so Jonathan what what you did not did not know is that the the text message I sent you earlier in the week before you'd seen the episode um, <clears throat> of the prisoner number. Yes, D- do you remember that now? I I sent you the text. I don't remember said, that. <laughs> and uh, it was now prisoner three three four three three four six seven or three four four six seven. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, so it was the entire, and I, I can't remember if that was his prisoner name or not, but I, I know it was the one I texted you, it was right. Yeah. Um, and it was a, <laughs> it was a, in my head I was singing the, <clears throat> the Le Les Mis opening as they released Jean Valjean <laughs> from, from prison, uh, for Mayfield. But, but, cause he had his same number of letter, same, same number of, of numbers. syllables in his yeah. Yeah, numbers, number of numbers. And so it was funny. Your time's up and your pearls beyond. Nope. <clears throat> I thought you would laugh more more at that, but um, anyway, we're, we need to, we need to get on to the, to the episode. I apologize for everybody who's not as big into references and lame as we are. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, anything to add to that particular scene, Jonathan? Just the opening thoughts. Well, when it first started, you don't see the entirety of the droid. You only see its legs. And for a second, I was like, ooh, is it going to be a K2 unit? Are we going to get Alan Tudyk back? And it wasn't. Um, that was a, I set myself up for failure there. Um, but it was still really cool. And it was funny. The droid, the droid wasn't saying that much. That was funny. But the way he said it, the way he just kept repeating his number and be like, you have three seconds to comply. And then just says his whole name. You have three seconds to comply. And just like... Was just kept repeating it. It was, it was, I thought it was quite funny. Um, uh, and, uh, it was also interesting that those, they had repurposed Imperial walkers, like eighty oh, like repurposed AT-ATs that were the kind of like, um, machines doing the, uh, picking the stuff up. And what's ironic is that when they were making the design for the AT-ATs in episode five, uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back, they based the AT-ATs off of 
these kind of like cranes down in Oregon that look almost the exact same as this. So it's like full circle. It was a crane, became the AT-AT, and now the AT-AT became the crane. So it's just, yeah, I thought that was a bit ironic. Um, That's a really cool design note there, Jonathan. I, I did not think I knew that, but wow. Mm. Where did you come across that particular fact? Uh, new rock stars on YouTube. Those guys are th- that. Those guys literally have no life, and their job is to just like translate <laughs> Orabesh and look into the deep history of stuff for Star Wars, Marvel, Star Trek, all that stuff. Um, oh yeah, they they they're they're a lot of fun. Uh, uh, most most of the ideas I have for this podcast, I I get from them. Last year, this isn't Star Wars related, but when we um uh when we had Captain Marvel coming out, uh, I. I heard them just joke about the idea that uh, Nick Fury would lose his eye to the cat. And I immediately, <laughs> and, and that the cat was a flurkin. And I immediately was like, I love that idea. And when we were coming up with our predictions, I made that my official prediction and I got it right. So I'm like very thankful to them. So you have to be careful because they get it dead on sometimes. <laughs> huh. um, well, yeah, as a joke even. You know, as a joke and it was like totally right. Um, but I, I did enjoy that opening scene. Um, Mayfeld, just as a character, isn't my favorite. And after this episode, still not my favorite. Uh, but he's still interesting. Um, I really like him. I, I know why yeah. you don't like him, but I really like him. Yeah, I do not like morally gray characters. Um, so, And he's he's better at the end of the episode. Like, if we had one more... Like, he's getting better. Like, in the first episode, did not like him at all. In this episode, I... Didn't like him, but didn't hate him. It was I was kind of neutral, and so I'm wondering maybe give him more time, let him do more heroic acts. I think would be interesting. Um, so like I wasn't excited to see him at all. I I knew it was coming, obviously. Uh, I however I was just like, oh my goodness, when Boba Fett shows up and he's got that new paint, coat of armor. The new paint yeah. job. I was yeah. like, wow. And all I could think of was, oh, my goodness, the um, 501st are going to have a, a nightmare redoing all their armor now. <laughs> um, to match I'm it. sure they'll have some that choose either way, and that'll be an option for the first time for, for them to have a refurbished Boba set. Yeah, that'll be nice. Um, but uh, that was really cool. And when he's like, oh, I thought you were another guy. I was like, he's about to come out, isn't he? And then he walks out. And so it was like things like that. They were slightly predictable in the setups of like jokes or the setups of tension or something. I got to say, seeing the inside of the Slave One was really cool. Mm -hmm. When you see it like turning around them, I thought that was really fascinating kind of reminded me in the martian uh the movie how like that the ship the spaceship that they're in is constantly rotating so they're never just like in one place it's just constantly changing and i was like that kind of looked like slave one a little bit um so mm. i i do like seeing the inside it was of very slave modern one. yeah mm-hmm. uh so yes i i did enjoy the opening scene quite a bit Speaking of his armor, um, did you have any theories as to possibly why he was able or why he chose to just go ahead and refurbish and update the look of his armor when, I guess, up until, you know, the pre- previously we saw him in Return of the Jedi, but he had looked like he had had that same armor for quite a while. Do you have any theories as to why he decided now is the time to he's spruce a, it up? He's a new man. He's uh, He's got a new ah. lease on life. Like, because... Or, 
I'll, I'll at least say Boba Fett is almost an entirely different character now from where I thought he was because I always envisioned him as the hardcore in it for the money bounty hunter. And now he seems more altruistic, trying to help people out, um, uh, doing the right thing. Trying to honor his word. Not. He's trying to do. He's trying. Yeah. He's not no. altruistic. Nah, he seems like it seems like they're, that's the direction they're taking him. He's, is he's more of an anti-hero than he is an anti-villain right now. Yes, and but I think they're. I think the point is they're trying to move him all the way over into the hero um, area. I think that's where they're going with this, which I don't have a problem with. It's just different, and so the new coat of armor almost seems like uh, it's. Um, uh, physical manifestation of that change. You're saying you had the old Boba Fett with the worn out armor. It's like the the more, you know, the bounty hunter one. And the new coat of armor hmm. is the uh, new coat of paint is the new Boba Fett. Kind of like with Mando, up until he had his new armor, he was just a bounty hunter in it for the money. And once he got that new armor, Mando actually kind of changed and you saw the physical the his physical change matched his character change, so I think the same thing's happening here. But mm. uh, that's that's where I view it going. Okay, I'm not sure if I agree about whether or not he's being moved into the hero category, uh, but we'll see. We'll see for sure. It would be surprising to me if if he did. I think more so than if, uh, let's say, theoretically, uh, he was given a bounty that went against our character's interests that he would just take that bounty. I think he would just, if it was, if now once he pays his debt, I mean, once he's fully absolved of his debt with, with you know, between him and Mando and the child's back, I don't think that he's going to stick around and I don't, I don't necessarily think he would be antagonistic against, you know, Mando, but if they ever had a conflict of interests, then, then he would become at the very least, he would, he would not be a hero. I don't mm-hmm. think, but We'll see. Well, I so still, maybe they are moving him towards that. I still want my Dead Man's Chest three-on-three battle where you have, like, Bo-Katan, Mando, and uh, Boba fighting for the Darksaber or something. I still want that to happen. That is my... That is my Between ju- the three of them? Yeah, like, Ooh. just... Or something like that, like, where it's like, you know, it's like, look... You guys are all on the same side. You want to defeat Gideon, but something gets in their way that they're all blinded by something. Mando wants the Darksaber to free Grogu, and Bo-Katan wants the lightsaber to take over Mandalore, and Boba Fett wants the Darksaber because it's the Darksaber, and he thinks it would be fun to, to, you know, have a cool weapon or something. Like, something causes the three of them to fight each other. I think that would be entertaining. Um, I don't know how well it would fit in the story, but I think it would be entertaining, and I still want that. So I'm hoping that he's not altruistic and that something can change him to being bad guy. I think that'll happen. I don't expect he'll be on our side the entire show, but that we'll have to wait most likely for season three mm-hmm. to see that happen. It <clears throat> probably most likely that we would see that. Um, so uh, I guess as they as they get on the ship, the the first thing that they talk about is uh, um, this hidden imperial s- facility where Mayfield has to go, mm-hmm. and that's the only place that he'll be able to track down the location of Gideon. So they're going to have to infiltrate this base. And uh, Din Djarin had heard of the planet, and uh, he's like, "That's that's a dump. There's nothing there." And uh, <clears throat> Fett reveals that there is they're they're actually mining something called 
Rhydonium. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rhydonium, is that is that a, a material you've heard of before, Jonathan, oh, in yeah. Star Wars canon? Tell us a little bit about it. So uh, it was first created for Star Wars Rebels. Um, it started in Rebels in the episode where um, Hera and Sabine go to this planet that's uh, almost an asteroid almost uh, that has like uh, all this Rhydonium refined uh, and they're going to get it for some job and they get stranded uh, and attacked by Minox uh, and Ezra and uh, uh, Kanan have to go and save them. Uh, and then that planet is later used in the Empire Day duology um, where Ezra connects with uh, Minoc to attack uh, the Inquisitor. Um, uh, it's a fun, uh, fun couple episodes. So that was, um, uh, that's where Rhydonium was really brought into the canon and it's been mentioned here and there. It's not been anything huge to my memory in any other projects. So the fact that we get to see it here was pretty exciting, but obviously Filoni's part of the show. So I'm betting the conversation went, oh, we need some kind of explosive for the show. Why don't we use Rhydonium? I don't have a problem with that. And they just used it. Like, I don't think it was like Famuyiwa going, okay, I get to use Rhydonium. I don't see that happening. (laughs) I don't see that happening. Right. Reminded us a little bit of the uh, plot of Solo where they have to go in Kessel Run. And yeah. That was a little bit, a little bit less stable. Uh, This was like, they didn't have to deal with like the, the temperature stuff on this one. It was more, don't bump it. Yeah. (laughs) Where it'll go off. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, it becomes a, an important, I guess, an important uh, material for the canon, uh, something we're familiar with and we know is very dangerous, can be f- refined. And, and we, later it's mentioned that with th- with that radonium, that, gosh, they could do some something that would make um, Operation Cinder look like nothing is, is basically what Valen, or Valen says mm-hmm. later on. And so uh, we know it's bad, and we're really glad that it ended up being uh, destroyed, or at least part of it did. Um, so they, as they, they arrive and uh, they make their plan, and that's when we get one of our first conversations about um, really really kind of the lead-up to, to the big thing that happened this episode, which is they start talking about who's going to you know infiltrate along with Mayfield. And um, Jonathan will probably think, he, of course, the, the funniest moment for me was Boba Fett mm-hmm. saying, let's just say they'd recognize my oh, face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was that was indeed funny. Yes, they. <laughs> anyone who has ever known a clone trooper would be like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> but that's what's so great about that that's what's so great about this series is Ew, they're making the types of jokes or references that fans are making. Like these are the types of things we would think about when if we were mm-hmm. involved in the writing process. So you know they're being meticulous and particular on these types of things. So I, I appreciate that. Right. And it was logical. Finnick couldn't go. Obviously she's wanted, um, Mm -hmm. not just by the bounty hunters, but by the empire as well. As he says. So, um, and then, uh, with Kara, which the fact that Finnick is wanted by the empire makes me think, um, Boba Fett is less likely to go and team up with the empire again. Mm -hmm. Were they to offer him a job? Uh, yeah. It would have to include Phoenix's uh, immunity. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a condition. Yeah. Um, so, but we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely see what happens. Um, that's when, really, that's when Dinjarin realizes that he's going to have to go and uh, 
He insists upon it, says, but I won't be showing my face. And at that moment, we're like, oh, my gosh, what's he going to do? You know, we, we immediately we start thinking, oh, well, he's just going to wear Stormtrooper armor. But at that point, we were probably all thinking the same question, which later Bill Burr would bring up. Um, if I don't know if you were or not about the question of his mask versus a mask. Yeah. Right? I always um, viewed it as a mask. But you did well. Yeah, the way the phrasing was in season one of like you know, have you ever taken off your helmet? Mm-hmm. Um, things like that make you think it's very specific to his helmet. And then you know, uh, Mayfield brings out that exact question to him. Mm-hmm. So they go. Uh, they, they're very cool vehicles. It's the first time we've seen like monster truck wheels on a you know on something in Star Wars of this scale. Uh, surprising that they didn't have just like a hover technology here um, for the vehicle anyway uh, it didn't it seemed more like um, something they would use in avatar uh, or something that they might use as like a a really really big Mars rover <laughs> yes um, but I thought that like that wasn't the only time that I thought about technology in that way you were talking about him showing his face do you remember in the Clone Wars episodes where the um uh, they're planning to kidnap the chancellor and they basically use this hologram type technology that just completely changes their entire appearance. Um, uh, and like, it makes aliens look like humans and humans look like aliens. It's, and like that. And I'm like, does that technology not exist anymore? Cause I feel like that would be used a lot more often now. Um, maybe it was so proprietary that only the separatists had it or something, but I'm like, they, if they had some, if they had access to something like that, Mando could just put on something like that and never have to worry about who sees his face. Or they could use that, and when he takes off his helmet or something, when he ha- when he goes in front of the terminal, he can have a different face so that no one's actually seen his face when he takes off his helmet. I don't know. My point is that there's these types of technology that exist that could help, but the story needed him to take off his helmet, so... It was written that way, but I do want to see that technology used again. I wonder, what was the technology that Obi-Wan used to disguise himself in Clone Wars when he was undercover? They was he literally, using that same technology? N- no, he used no, a different... They actually a- like changed his face, like reshaped it, and then they sh- reshaped it back to look like his Kenobi face, um, okay. which is about interesting. Well, most likely the, the techno that you're actually men- mentioning is... Just something they didn't have on hand. Yeah. Um, and and even so, if they did, it might not be enough to fool the scanner mm-hmm. unless it was shown to have been able to fool the scanner. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would think that it's kind of like our technology today can tell if a fingerprint is like of an alive or a dead person if you're like, you kill the person, cut their hand <laughs> off, and like, I'm going to use the fingerprint scan. In a spy <laughs> movie, they're like... <laughs> <laughs> or like a, a dead iris versus a a, a living person's eye. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, that's not my area of expertise, but I'm sure in, in spy movies, that's a thing that they like, oh, now it's smart enough to know we can't just kill them. We have to keep them alive as mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but it became it became a problem in this episode because, you know, this is a a lifelong, his, his entire life, he's lived by this creed. This is not just like he just converted a couple years ago and he's still new, but no, his entire life, since he's been an adult, no one has seen his face. No living thing has seen his face. Zero ever. And 
it's not just that he's never taken his helmet off too. And those are really things that like, I think in addition to honesty about it, you know, that's like a part of the greeting. It's like, Jonathan, you know, when we would get together, if I would see you the last time, I'd be like, uh, if we were in like a secret group and I had like a password and you had to tell me the password every time. And I'd be like, Jonathan, have you watched Star Wars ten at least ten times this year? And you had to be honest, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, that like, that's the same thing that I predict is going to happen when he comes in contact with like the armorer again. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to say, "Hey, have you followed the the code the way that you're supposed to?" And I think he's not going to tell. I think he's not going to lie. I think he's going to tell the truth. And and um, that's where we're going to get we're going to get some conflict next season. I don't think that that's that's not going to be paid off. If they don't pay that off, it's going to be really strange for them to have show how he broke in his creed. But before he gets to that point, I guess I'm jumping ahead now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm jumping ahead. So uh, as they they kind of I guess they infiltrate, they take out this this thing, and they have a great conversation and. Uh, um, Din Djarin and Mayfield are just sitting there talking and uh, some of the quotes that Mayfield had I just want to read some of those because I thought they were really great one of them the first one I'll start with is um, he said look if you're born on Mandalore you believe one thing if you're born on Alderaan you believe something else but guess what neither one of them exists anymore and just with that quote Jonathan do you sense that he's already he's not trying to undermine Mando's ideals he's trying to make him think maybe other people just have legitimate beliefs because of the way that they were raised. Yeah. The, I didn't, I didn't appreciate all of, um, uh, Mayfeld's philosophies on things. And you have a few year later quotes. I didn't, I didn't agree with, nor did I like, um, it was interesting that he would go so philosophical. Um, and you know, uh, the thing that stood out to me in that quote is, uh, Man- Mandalore is not around anymore. Like, is he meaning literally like it's destroyed or is he meaning like the people are wiped out or that just the main cities are destroyed? I'm really curious. I mean, we know that there was the night of a thousand tears and all that stuff, but with every Mandalorian war and whatnot, they always endure. So I'm like really curious the extent that Mandalore exists now. That question, that line Brings up a lot of of my enemy. And one thing we didn't mention earlier when we were talking about how talkative Mayfeld is, you know, one of the things that the editors of the the novels and comics tell the authors and writers is don't have Vader talk that much. He's more menacing the less he talks. And it's kind of the same thing with Mando is the important thing with Mando is his small gestures, is the lack of talking he does. It's more about you know, what he doesn't say. And so when you do that, you have to have someone that talks other, you can't have every episode be like episode two, where there was barely any talking at all. You have to have some dialogue. And so, which is a complaint of mine about that episode. Yeah. And that's why they bring in other people like in the uh, Vader comics, they brought in Dr. Afra so that someone would be talking constantly. And that's kind of why they have, Mayfeld in this episode is though they have, in addition to all the philosophical stuff and the greater, you know, things that happen later, it's also so that during the scenes you have someone talking at least. Um, uh, but I, I, I don't in really agree with a lot of Mayfeld's worldviews on things. Um, uh, I think that the empire and the, uh, 
and the rebellion or the new republic are very different and yeah there are some similarities but one was very bad and one i think is overall good it has some bad aspects but overall is good and the empire has some good aspects but is overall bad um but so i don't agree with his philosophies at all uh but i did find them interesting that they would explore that much in the Mandalorian, which isn't very much a philosophical show, it's more of an action show. So it was interesting. That's what the writing this episode presenting those things in a way that it did. Mm. <clears throat> Obviously, if you present things philosophically, they have to make sense uh, to us and be in context, and they were mm-hmm. right. The context is you believe this because you were raised as a Mandalorian. That's the only reason you believe this, right? Alderaan people believed one thing, but their planet got blown up. Uh, Mandalore, I don't think is blown up, not by the Death Star anyway. Cer- certainly, I, I don't certainly think hope not. It, 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 sh- it doesn't exist anymore in the way that it used to exist. I don't think. And for you know, he could be talking about how the atmosphere is toxic, or how there's no government, or you know, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Mandalore is is just fallen generally. Um, but here's the here's the next quote. He he looks at him and he says, "I don't know. It seems like your rules start to change when you get desperate." You know, he says, "I I mean, look at you. You said you couldn't take your helmet off, and now you got a stormtrooper one on. So what's the rule? Is it that you can't take your off your Mando helmet, or you can't show your face? Because there's a difference. And of course, he has the most like Brooklyn accent if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm used to Bill Burr's voice, and so it doesn't seem out of place to me in Star Wars. Like sometimes." I think I do mention like that 2020 has its effects on sometimes in Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I don't always like that. But in this case, it I was already used to him. Um, he did, it didn't bother me. It may have bothered some people, but the question is really brought up though be, that that somewhere along the way there is a line, and wherever that line is, Din Djarin has to decide in the back of his head if he's going to cross it. And for the child. The answer is absolutely yes. He mm-hmm. will cross that line. Whatever that cost is, he's willing to pay it. And that that's really what this is setting up is that if there's a cost with his with his status within Mandalorian culture or people, he's okay with losing that just to protect the child. Yeah, there's a right? there's a parental uh rule that, you know, all bets are off when you mess with the kids. Um uh it's this in, in my favorite TV show, The West Wing. The president in that show is always very respectful, very nice. He doesn't yell at people. But the second someone says something about his kids in a bad way, he just goes off. He's firing people. He's throwing out reporters, doing all these bad things. And it's like, you, you, don't, you don't mess with the kids. Um, uh, and it's like with, with Mando, it's that, you know, he had his rules. But what's more important than his rules is Grogu. And you don't you don't mess with mess with Grogu, which is what I've been saying for the last couple of seasons. Like these people must die because you don't get to mess with Grogu, and it doesn't matter what he has to do to get back his. Oh well, it does matter, but you know, overall, that's that's where he's going with this. Um, uh, and we'll talk about this the f- final scene later. But this episode and the next episode have a kind of taken uh, vibe of the parent. Going yeah. after the child, um, right? And I like that. I like seeing that in in Star Wars. I think that's something we need to see more. Um, uh, Has there been an edit yet that changes the the dialogue? Yes. 
Has there there has I don't know been... about edits, but uh, well, I'm sure there will be. But I know there've been memes, and that was oh, the other God. thing I was referencing. There's definitely uh, been memes about it. Um, haven't seen those yet, but I, I like the way that is going. I, if I had seen that on my own, I would think that's hilarious. Oh yeah, it, it is great. Uh, but yeah, this whole thing of him going after this like this imperial stuff and him being willing to don the imperial helmet instead of his own and willing to take it off even at the end shows that he really cares about um grogu and also shows that uh pedro pascal actually did have to come on set for at least one day (laughs) yeah that's true so just thinking about this psychology thing a little bit more um do you think that he he's been challenged to question his his belief system, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know here he's being asked to question just like, oh, what's the difference between this and that? And that's really the first place you get to when you talk about an ideal system that someone believes. Um, everyone at some point questions questions what they believe, and questioning what you believe can actually strengthen what you believe because you learn why you believe it even stronger, and you can in the end that challenge to it can hold actually more on the on the side of good because now you really know in the end why it matters so much to you instead of this is what I was taught on Mandalore. Mm-hmm. And so it could be that there's a there's a lesson that we're gonna get. And it could also be that the opposite's true and that he's gonna having this belief question, he's gonna have tested the waters and then become more open to, to maybe possibly like Bo-Katan's way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that's, that's the, 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 the groundwork for that has been laid and the questions have been asked and we don't, we don't get any gears turning, but we see, you know, or we hear not much talking from Endo. So it's clear he's thinking about those things and he's just willing to do it in that protective instinct. Um, what did you think of the line where Mayfield said, if you can make it through your day and still sleep at night, you're doing far better than most? Uh, it reminded me of something of, of another movie, and I am blanking on it, but there's like a, like that, 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 that sentiment is said in a lot of uh, things. Oh, it also, Mayfield's arc in this was kind of similar, if not reverse, to DJ's arc in The Last Jedi, where they both have the, Empire, Republic, Rebellion, they're all the same to, to them. Um, uh, like, they both have that, they both have that, you know, just uh, don't join either, uh, be in it for the money or something like that. They have, they almost have that kind of a, a view. And then uh, Mayfell changes for the better and decides to do something against the Empire. Whereas um, DJ turns for the worse and decides to turn on his his friends or acquaintances in order to get money and and escape free so uh it's you see the reverse choices uh that what can happen when you make the right choice or the wrong choice um and i thought that that quote was very i ex- i would expect mayfeld to say something like that um uh I would not any more expect that from Boba. As I said, I th- I think he's turning into a heroic character, and uh, I think that I, I think that before maybe in pre uh, Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett would have said something like that. But now I don't I, I don't get that opinion of him. Mm. Well, see, Mayfield is a character that loves pushing people. Mm. He likes getting under their skin. He wants yeah. to like. 
He wants to dig at them until like their true side gets comes out. Mm-hmm. He wants to irritate you until you like he if he knows that you're somebody who doesn't curse, Jonathan, he wants to to mess with you until you cuss him out. That's what he wants to do. Right? Mm-hmm. And I can see why that is not somebody that you personally would enjoy being around. No. Um and and you know, it might not be somebody that I'd choose as a as a, you know, companion either, but it's de- it definitely it fits a really good role here and I've known people like that. And uh anyway, so his 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 usage here is perfect. I love the casting because he does what he's supposed to do and he does it in an unlikely way and you don't realize that you're listening to this guy with a Brooklyn accent, this you know, human in Star Wars, that he's he's asking you to think about your own influences in the same way and figure out why you believe what you believe. Um, and I'll say that I like Bill Burr a little bit more now than I did initially because he's said some bad things about Star Wars fans in the past, but he seems from some quotes I've seen more recently to be changing his tune and is more appreciative. Yeah, I listened to an interview that he did where he um, really talked about how excited he was to be in yeah. Star Wars. So that's that's good that he's, he's changing like that. Um, so I like him better now than, than I did, that's for sure. Um, but I want to talk about that action scene on the, the transports because there was that yes, one long the shot, attacks. the pirate attack, where you have the long shot of Mando looking out the, the window. And then he goes in uh, and says something to Mayfeld and then goes up. And you just the camera just follows him from outside the, the, the truck. And it's a really cool shot. Um, and I'm sure it was mm. on the volume, but like the way that, like the way that they got it so that there's nothing blurry. Cause you're go- looking through the camera, through the glass of the window of the, um, of the transport. And then you're looking at Mando. Um, I thought that was really, really good. Um, mm. uh, and just the whole action scene, you knew where everything was. It was all, you could track it easily. Um, uh, the, him, him kicking the guys off was very Indiana Jones esque. Uh, uh, yes, Femiwa actually yes. includes like a the lot of fight on the on the tank. Exactly. Thing. Yes, Femiwa <laughs> likes to reference Indiana Jones a lot. He did in the second episode as well, um, uh, and in this one, I, I felt very much yeah. like, it. Yeah. and especially Fighting how on the he, on the sand car. Yeah. and he he keeps taking all these hits, and in in Indiana Jones. Like he takes a punch and it actually hurts, and you see him struggle with it, and he's really bloody at the end. And in this, Mando is all prepared to take a punch, and then all of a sudden it like with breaks his off car, his armor because yeah. he's used to the best car, and so he's not used yeah. to this. And you see him like holding his arm as he's Dang punching it. back, and I was like, "That's Sucks really to not be me." Exactly. Well, for one, it shows that he was kind of getting complacent in his armor. He was just letting it take all the hits and not 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 really being a expert fighter or anything um, but it also it's just kind of funny that you know you see him in pain uh fighting this and he's not a perfect fighter and so i i really i really liked that action i'd say that that action scene was overall my favorite part of the the episode was just that whole yeah. the whole truck sequence i thought it was really well done challenged him as a character probably challenged the choreographers yeah. to design fighting styles that didn't involve him using all his cool weapons instead and I, I don't know that that likely wasn't Pedro. That was likely one of the doubles. <laughs> no, but, that wasn't Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the the fighting, you know, it, it was very impressive that he was able to do all those things. I thought, you know, maybe these guys with those spears should have actually thrown them at, at him. Um, 
<clears throat> the way that he threw his spear, but uh, that was a good shot too. Apparently they weren't. Apparently they weren't very very good pirates. Um, the uh, the the thought occurred to me as, and I'm sure it did to you as well. But you know, should we actually be on the side of these pirates? You know, they're attacking the empire. I'm like, okay, well, that's one good thing about them. Uh, why are they attacking the empire? Well, the empire is taking Rhydonium, which is an explosive. What are they doing? Are they taking it for themselves? No, they're just blowing it up so that. The Empire can't use it. I'm like, well, that seems good, too. Um, so are these good guys, good pirates? Or what were they? Because they didn't... Are they trying to sell it? No, they were just trying to get rid of it. So it's kind of like in Solo, you have uh, Enfys Nest and the Cloud Riders who are trying to get the uh, the stuff. And you think they're villains the whole ep- movie until the very end. And you find out they're not. They're trying to, like, proto-rebellion type people. But with... Um, with this, they didn't have the time to flesh out the pirates. And also, the pirates were more of just... They needed to have someone for Mando fighting so that they could get the action scene. And so they just wrote in pirates coming in. There wasn't much particular into, no, the pirates are here because they're trying to protect their families or anything. They, they didn't go deep with them, which they didn't need to. There was already plenty of stuff happening in this episode that they didn't need to go deep with the pirates. Um... Uh, but yeah, it's one of those that ordinarily, if the if if the perspectives were different, I might be cheering for the the pirates in this scene. But the if the pirates were to kill Mando, that would mean that something bad would still happen to Grogu, and I don't want anything bad mm-hmm. to happen to Grogu. So therefore, the pirates no, are bad guys. No. <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't think that they're painted sympathetically, obviously, but. Yeah. Um, you just ask you the question. I mean, you can't not watch. You can't not ask yourself that question. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, the um, it was good throwback to thermal detonators. Um, one of the I don't know if this is the first time we've seen thermal detonators on screen explode. Um, I think yeah, we have. have we've seen them in uh, the last Mando season um, a few times. I remember. Uh, and if you're talking about live action. Now, I feel yeah, like I am talking about live action. I feel like we got some in uh, in Rogue One and Solo. I think we got some thermal detonators okay. in those movies, but okay, possibly. Um, but there's a. <clears throat> it reminds me a lot of there's a uh, one of the uh, Star Wars Jedi Outcast, uh, where you play as Cal Katarn. Mm-hmm. There are some some aliens that you fight that are. Um, constantly just hurling thro- thermal detonators at you yeah. and uh, they Use explode in contact, these do well, you can't block them and you can't destroy them, the only thing you can really do is push them, force push them away uh, from you mm-hmm. and hopefully fo- hopefully protect yourself but um, uh, it just, with the guys, all of them throwing that and even the last scene, they all just like throw. I thought some of them were going to explode as they get all got gunned down by the stormtroopers at the end but um, they they didn't. I don't know why they didn't. Those those should have been armed and, and destroyed. But uh, anyway, good fighting, good fighting, and uh, a good chance for us to see Mando's skills without the definitely buffed uh, suit of armor <laughs> that makes him that makes him nigh impenetrable. Yeah, <laughs> um, like like a helm's deep of a man. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we get we get stormtroopers come in. Bill Burr says. Uh, you never thought you'd be glad to see stormtroopers. Yeah, and the stormtroopers uh, have good aim too. Yeah, 
That's the best aim any stormtrooper has ever had in the history of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, the pirates were not all that. They weren't all that good. No, but at, still uh, fighting. <laughs> the, but yeah, yeah. The, so um, <clears throat> they survive. They make it in there, and we get we get a right straight to the action. They look around, whatnot. Quickly identify the scene, and they so at that point, uh, I, I get Mayfield is about to walk in when he spots. Um, his old commanding officer. I'm not sure if it was directly above him because in retrospect, he really did not recognize him even after he'd said all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like Bill Burr was super worried at this point. He's like, Oh, he's going to know me. I can't do it. And he's even to the point is like, I won't do it. Mm -hmm. We're leaving. And that forces, that forces Din Djarin to step in and take action. But like in retrospect, he really didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. He could have, he could have gone in and just, I think they would have avoided that whole thing. They probably would have escaped without the firefight. Yeah. But, but I the think story the needed better. The story needed it. Think, yes, for development's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely, because so much developed. So we, I mean, I, I've not actually, okay. The character of um, Valen Hess is not somebody that I, uh, Richard, Richard Brake, <laughs> I know he played in, like, Batman Begins. He was one of Falcone's henchmen mm-hmm. a long time ago. And he also portrayed the Night King yes. for, like, two episodes. Yeah, in Game of Bef- Thrones. They, they recast it, right? They, re- they did recast he played him. him he re- yeah, so he played him for, like, the first couple of episodes. When he was still cool and frightening before <laughs> he just got... He got stabbed by a little pinprick, girl. Pinprick stabbed by a little girl and died all of a sudden. Spoiler alert! Nobody cares. I that's it's the, the good uh, thing about Game of Thrones spoilers is at this point nobody cares. It's, it's the meme from uh, uh, from Jurassic Park where they're sitting there and he's like, "It's Dotson, Dotson." See, nobody cares. Yeah, That's nobody. The... Cares. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love that. I love it. Um, but he he was a he was a very well chosen casting. He portrayed the side of the Empire that was, you know, confident, smug, you know. Enough to where he's like he, you know, he's not so much on the he was he was almost a little bit like southern slave owner plantation holder. Did you yes, get that vibe from yes, him? that's a that is a very good. <clears throat> yes, I I totally where would. he's like talking down to like slaves. He's been like, boy, we'll outlast you. Like he was. It was very. He was very evil. You got the sense that this guy was bad. There's a certain actor that you cast them in something and you instantly go, they're playing the villain. Like Richard E. Grant in episode nine, once he was cast, everyone was like, yeah, he's playing a villain. And this guy, mm-hmm. he was the perfect villain for he's just so menacing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I definitely enjoyed uh, seeing, seeing him in it. Uh, and I thought yeah. that it was... Good portrayal. Yeah. And we got... We, you and I talked about this before we started the podcast, but we got references to Operation Cinder... Which people who have played the Battlefront two and have read the com- the Shattered Empire comics uh, know what Operation Cinder is. It is Palpatine's plan to essentially destroy the remnants while also hiding away his real force, which was the first slash final order. And then also he left a few pockets around to kind of keep draw the attention of the New Republic away from his uh, from the first order. And final order, and uh, and in Operation Cinder, he just goes in and decimates planets and just murders a bunch of people. Like at least they have the the 
they pretend that Alderaan is to make an example, or they pretend that it is to destroy the rebel base by destroying the whole. Now, in this, it's just he's just murdering a bunch of people. No pretext. That's that's what they're doing. Um, and so that I thought was really um, a cool reference that we got. Um, and of course, Operation Cinder is based off of. Um, uh, uh, the Nazis, after Hitler died, he had plans to really just destroy all of his forces and to scatter so that the um, uh, so that if, if, if he's not in charge of the Third Reich, nobody's in charge. And we know that George Lucas was basing the empire off of the Nazis from World War Two. So it's a good comparison. And so they kept they kept it going here. Um, and they I just, thought you were going to say that George Lucas had an Operation Cinder so that once he was out of the way, no one could handle Star Wars. No, that's not what happened because he <laughs> I, I he willingly sold the company. I thought you were I thought you were going to go that direction as a joke. No, 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 he. <clears throat> yeah, when you everyone's that. like, oh, they're not going with George Lucas's direction, and I'm like, George Lucas doesn't care. He just made four billion dollars off of him. <laughs> He's he. he <laughs> Do what you want. He's now richer than Mark Cuban. Yeah. And he doesn't have to do anything. He's literally ever again. He's literally the most wealthy person in entertainment. No other CEO or president or owner of any other company is of like 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 movie studio, book, whatever. Nobody is as wealthy as him when it comes to entertainment. So he's he's pretty happy <laughs> right amazing. now. That's amazing. He's just like, yeah, I well, don't yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he can he can build his own like actual like I, I would he would take an island and make it into a Death Star. <laughs> he can make his own Death Star. Exactly. He could shoot like uh, wouldn't be real laser. It'd be like foam lasers. Yes. If anybody comes on board, be like, eh, just uh, you're on my island. I'm going to shoot you. How do you like my uh, island? Like this is where I uh, think. I and you know enjoy retirement. Retirement, at least. it's a good thing. You know. I, my George Lucas is very funny. It's not very good. I need to work on it. But no. um, anyway, we're happy for you, George. Enjoy that. Let me know if you need some somebody to come and uh, help you out. Huge house sometime. <laughs> what? What? What'd you say? Uh, oh, I was gonna say. And his, of course, his son Jet Lucas is working on the Mandalorian. He's a um, uh, he works for Filoni, which is really cool. Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh, little father known. becomes the son, and the son becomes the father. No, but back no, to the no. back to the episode. It was cool to get references to Operation Cinder and to just see and Burning Con. Yeah, and th- there's something that I didn't notice. This, of course, this was pointed out by an, another YouTuber. But you see, Mando, he doesn't ever use his peripheral. Whenever like he's switching back and forth, his whole body moves and his whole head moves, and it's because. He's used to just having the visor, and he can't use his periphery in the T-visor. So he has to turn his whole head, but he never has the helmet off, uh, at least around other people. So he's so his muscle memory is to just turn his whole head. So you see him just jerk like this quite a bit throughout the episode. It's like, just use your periphery. Um, but anyway, that was, really, that, was, that was a really cool detail that they had in um uh, and just when 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 uh, mayfell just goes in and just shoots the the guy it was like yes and then he just and mando's eyes are just like what like he's so (laughs) he's shocked that mayfell does this and then mayfell goes and just shoots all the other guys in there and 
they almost have the uh, the Ray and Kylo moment from uh, Last Jedi, where after he kills um, uh, Snoke and all the guards start coming in, they they look at each other for a second and then start fighting. That's kind of what mm-hmm. happened here. Lots of references. Yeah, the, lots of similarities. The stormtrooper who was like holding his lunch tray. Yeah, <laughs> he's just looking on there. He's like, "What did you do?" <laughs> um, the there was so much good dialogue there, but from from Valen Hess and mm-hmm. and you as he talks, you see the tension building in Mayfield's face, and and um, you know Dinjarin realizes it, and this is one of the first times we get to see his face. So for us, yeah. it's really cool that we get to see it. A, a side view of the other two guys, but of his face, a lot of it is from the front, mm-hmm. and he become he's becoming increasingly worried as he sees, you know, Mayfield's reaction starting to explode. There was one di- there was one particular line of dialogue that I loved, um, and it was actually a th- it to me it was also a throwback to a great movie. I'll say the quote: um, "It said men don't want they think they want freedom. What they really want." Is order. Oh yeah, yeah. And the the quote. Um, have you ever seen? Uh, there was a 1990s film about King Arthur called First Night. No, I never saw it. Really, it's a great movie, starring um, Sean Connery as King Arthur. So oh, I know oh now I know the now I have the image in my head now. Okay, I know what you're talking about. And uh, the the bad guy in that, his name is like Malakath or something, and he says, and he to his army, he says. Um, men don't want brotherhood. They want leadership. And he's like, mm. ha! And all of his troops, like, fire up their Nazi salute or whatever. Um, which, you know, <laughs> whatever. everybody gets compared to Nazis, but... Because they're the perfect the, that's villains. The they are the perfect... They are, they are smart. They are terrifying. They are evil. And they are... They, they just work so well as, as villains in, in movies. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great inspiration for for villains, but um, mm. the anyway the 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 quote it's it's very well written because you know it's even a commentary on like common I mean current politics. Mm-hmm. People think they want freedom, but what they really want is order. Um, true freedom, a lot of people tell you, is anarchy. True freedom is chaos. True freedom is, and they say you don't really want freedom because. Freedom would mean you wouldn't have this, and you wouldn't have police, and you wouldn't have roads, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have all these things. Um, we want and, freedom, and saying, but to a point. There's the, the like it's kind of like Mando with the helmet. It's like you want you want him to he he wants to obey his code, but only to a point. You want freedom, but only to a point right. that you need government in some ways. The Empire is trying to say you want. Every, we want order for every single thing in your whole life. We want to be able to come in and like yeah. tell you exactly what to do and organize and have free reign over every detail that you ever. You don't even get to make your own choices. Mm-hmm. You know you're conscripted into this role from the time you're a kid, and you go and you fulfill this job probably. Whereas it seems like the Republic has always been. We do have, you do have some, you know. Law uh, is obviously you. You can't have freedom without a loss of order, but without without freedom, where where's the value in any of your choices? Mm-hmm. Without freedom, where's the, you know how how do you enjoy, how do you how do you have happiness, just by doing the same things over and over? I guess, and 
in, that's the problem with like these utopian societies that some of the like creative paradise lasted and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. their utopia that's perfectly ordered or even the matrix that the first matrix that they built, they said it was, there was nothing that would happen that was wrong. Well, people rejected it and they lost thousands of so-called crops, people's lives. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it was a very like direct imagery that all of those things were recalled back to me just by him saying that line. And, uh, for us to get that in Star Wars is great. There needs to be more contrast of the Imperials' philosophy versus the Republic's and the Galaxy. Like, that philosophy needs to be put on trial more often for yeah. people to see the difference. Mm-hmm. Not I, just shown as in bad guys, evil, good guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, wear this color and bad guys have these gu- guns that fire red. Wh- why, are the, why, are, why is the Empire bad? Because what is their philosophy and wh- what, is their val- what are their values? And why are their values wrong? And why is their philosophy wrong? Because they, they killed um, 10,000 of their own soldiers. And, the tr- the, you know, the officer who did it is like... Yeah, had to make a hard choice, but we outlived them <laughs> to the empire, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's t- kind of like him talking like in a horrible way about him having to put down like back to that slave owner like mentality of like the South, like of this like he he represents everything that's horrible about that as if he had, like gotten rid of one of his like rebellious slaves or something like th- this is a nightmare of a horrible person that needs to die immediately mm-hmm. and that's exactly the imagery that is painted of of the empire in this case and yep. to me he was probably a worse person than Gideon just based on those mo- the way that he was talking yeah even though Gideon is a bigger bad guy I think yeah. he was probably a worse person oh absolutely um, um uh, so I'm glad that Mayfield just shot him right on the spot yes and it's kind of like it kind of jolts you awake. You're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. And then um, we have that really cool action scene of them moving outside the building. Yes. Um, which had The angles. The angles what were the sh- really, Sniper angles. Yes. Mm. They were really good shots. Um, uh, and then they get on the ship, which is really cool, them jumping over. Uh, it reminded me kind of um, of when – I was younger. Uh, my family was going to go on a boat uh, on a lake up in Michigan. And we were like so late and the boat was just like they were powering up everything. They were just about to leave. And everyone except my dad made it before the boat started to leave. But my dad had to actually kind of like jump from the dock to the boat because it was already <laughs> starting to go. That was that was uh, Mando and Mayfeld kind of like jumping onto the uh the slave one to escape. And then you called it last week. We all kind of w- were hoping it was going to come, expecting it to come. We got oh, yes. seismic oh, yes. charges. Seismic and charges. the second that the back opened and you saw the, the charge come I out, I, I was just like, oh, and what it happened, <laughs> I have to say the sound quality it, I think it was just the way I was watching it. Because initially when I watched it, I was like, that wasn't as epic as I was hoping. And then I went back with headphones on, and it was epic. Mm-hmm. So it's better yes. with headphones on. Um, yes, you need to be at a good screen to watch it yeah. with good good sound system. But uh, um, but it was, I was... The atmosphere obviously will sound different, too, yeah, in space when that's it detonates. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they used the same sound effect, and they just tweaked it for, I guess, for the environment yeah. that they're in. Um, but that was really so, cool, and you called it, so good, good call. I did call it. I, we, we were both super excited, Sean and I both, for that. 
Um, hydroelectric power in the Empire. We have to give them props for using such a great. Uh, <laughs> it's a not harming the energy, you know, the environment, you know. Even though they were, the even beaver, though they were the beavers, ri- I guess. Even though they were mining rhydonium. Rhydonia, but they used hydroelectric power. Uh, as someone who lives uh, on a river that has a dam, like about five miles from where I live, you know, that's a good thing. Very it's, good thing. It's, is that. it's like when uh, when uh, those rich people in Hollywood they uh, ride an electric car all the way up to a uh, gas powered jet. <laughs> it's like, but hey, I have the electric car. Look at me. That's what. <laughs> Do, they're like, you don't realize that one flight of that jet will do like, more than you could ever do car. in 20 years exactly. of owning your car. <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> but you can't use logic. You, you're not allowed to bring logic into the equation. Um, has to be emotions. <laughs> anyway, that's a different conversation. So um, Mayfield, as they're flying away, Mayfield shoots the he shoots the Rhydonium and blows up two of the of the vessels or mm. the the rovers that they're on. Yeah, and. The comment he makes, it just ties it together with what he said earlier, which is, we all got to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, I think that was the moment, because he, he did that, and it surprised Cara Dune and really surprised Mando as well. Um, and I think that's the moment that they decided to, um, to let him off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny seeing him kind of hesitant. He's like, uh, wait, like, you're talking about him dying. You talk about Mayfield dying in the explosion. Are you... Are you about to kill me or... Uh, no, I didn't, yeah. Does that mean I can go? <laughs> I knew where like, that was going. I knew they would let him yes. go. They, they weren't going to return him back. I wondered if they would keep him, make him part of the crew to go rescue baby Grogu, um, which isn't going to happen. Nah, so it's They don't trust him that much. They yeah. probably... They made the best choice yeah. to let him just out of there. But um, I, think, I think that was a good thing. I, I would not mind at all to see him again, but... Uh, I want to see would, him go to that depend. little village and him become mayor or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'll have a way off the planet. Maybe he'll steal a ship. I don't know. We'll see. Mando has, may have to steal a ship yeah. in the finale. <clears throat> let's just, for a second, let's, let's think back. Um, because, well, <clears throat> this is the penulti- this penul- penultimate episode, but think mm-hmm. about last season yeah whereas they were i guess that was the first time grugu had been kidnapped yeah and but that all took place on navarro this is it feels like a episode in itself where that felt like a Mm two-parter so i think this year this finale will feel i really hope that we get something close to an hour in length i i have a feeling that's gonna happen because they have a lot to do I mean, it's possible There's it'll a whole be 40 lot. minutes. And they did that with episode one. Episode one was Almost over 50 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which was great. It was great. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they do longer finales and, and, and pilot or not pilots, but episode ones. Yeah. I hope that they do. I guess I, I skipped the last scene, which oh, we need yeah. to talk about that mm-hmm. too. The last scene was, uh, you mentioned it before when you said the Taken, mm-hmm. the Taken reference. Yep. But, um. If you guys obviously the the dialogue that he chose to to use mm-hmm. was parroted exactly from what from what Moff Gideon said in chapter eight, I think too. seven. No, in seven, it was the was final. It, chapter, it was the final lines. Seven. Okay, it was right the scene right before. Yeah. Okay, the final lines of the first season's penultimate episode 
are the exact same okay. final lines of the second season's penultimate episode. So they bookend okay. really well with okay. each other. Yes. Very good. I, you're right. You're right on that one. So it was it was said with a lot of uh, ferocity. It was good yeah. that they, that they showed right on Gideon's face. I was yeah. I was totally invested in his face and his reaction to hearing mm-hmm. uh, all of that. Um, what were your What were your thoughts about that scene? Anything else that you haven't talked about? Mm. Oh, I just I just love I I won't ever watch it without thinking of Taken now. Um, uh, and I just want I just want one day to get Mando saying I will hunt you, I will find you, and I will kill you. Um, I just, I, and, and now if that makes me nostalgic for Liam Neeson and I'm like, maybe we, I want to see Liam Neeson in star Wars again. And that takes me off on a whole bunch of rabbit trails. So yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> if they do like a comedy dub, like on some, some YouTube parody or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a mystery science theater version where they, yeah. cause obviously you could say anything that Din Djarin would say, you just, just cut that out and leave everybody else's talking in or, you know, you, but his would be the easiest cause he's get the mask. Yeah. And that would be the, the easiest thing is to take that dialogue. I'm sure they, mm-hmm. I'm sure they will. Maybe on the, how, how it should have ended. How it should have ended. They need, I, I don't know if how it should have ended has done a Mandalorian. They did. They did for the first season. Did they? they did one that okay. covered the whole thing. It was really, they were kind of acknowledging, yeah, there's not much we can complain about. <laughs> okay. I need to watch that again. Then I, I'd forgotten existed. Some of the more funny ones are when they, have a terrible movie and there's tons of things to rip apart about oh, it. Yeah. And those are really memorable. But I would be I would be really happy if they did that if they did that taken reference and how mm-hmm. it should have ended episode. Oh yeah. This. Absolutely. Um, but this makes me really so, excited for what our next episode of the podcast is going to be is also yeah. what our next episode of The Mandalorian, which is the final one. Um, and I did confirm we have Mike next week. Um, talking Mando. Finally. 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 It took us a while to get him, but we're going to get him. It's going to be fun. Um, and before we wrap up, what's your ranking, or rating, I should say, rating of the episode? I've been uh, <clears throat> consistently a bit higher than you, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that may continue because I'm, while like we, we had texted earlier and said that how, how great this season has been, there was really only uh, one episode that, we felt like was was quite a bit lower than the others, but mm-hmm. um, I thought that this one was up there, and I, it was up. Every episode has had different, unique things that are great about it. Yeah, and you know the Ahsoka episode was was very very good, but had some flaws in other areas. Mm-hmm. The Bo-Katan episode was nearly perfect, but still had a, a couple of things. Uh, length was an issue for me. You know the episode with you know Boba Fett last episode. You know phenomenal. But so little dialogue and so little of the things that we got in this episode, which was lots of philosophical, like I said, well, well written. Mm. And, you know, the points of it. So 9 out of 10 for me. 9 out of 10. That's interesting. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I liked it better than Chapter 10 with the spiders. Um, And I liked it better... (laughs) Uh, that's true. Uh, I also liked it better than the, I don't, I don't know if I like it better. I liked it about the same as that. I liked, um, uh, the fourth one of the season where they were with, um, you know, with uh, the one by Carl Weathers. Uh, Oh, uh, that one, like I just kind of view them as the same. They're both kind of like adventure roller coaster rides, but this one had a little bit more philosophy in it. 
Um, they had. Things... I think this was a better episode than that one by a little yeah. bit. I think I enjoyed them about the same because I'm just I do, I don't enjoy Mayfeld quite as much yet. Um, but so those are those are my right at, right there, and then everything else is above it. But still, again, every episode of Mandalorian is like better than even the worst Mandalorian episode is better than the best Star Trek Discovery episode to me. So it's like <laughs> they're doing a really good job here. Like, yes, yes. Got to recognize that. <clears throat> um, no, I, absolutely. Uh, and uh, so we're, we're on track. But the, the amazing thing is how fast this season has flown by. Oh, my. And yes. to be just a, a week away from <clears throat> from something like that we do not want to face, which is another year <laughs> until we get new Mandalorian content, mm-hmm. um, which, well, you might... I don't remember when the releases were mentioned. Are we going to get any more content between now and season three? Yeah. What was that on the Disney? Yep. Um, what's the next thing that's coming if it's not Mando season three? Bad Batch. Is it bad? Okay. Yes. Bad Batch. All right. So that'll be the first. We get. We got a trailer for that. Which that trailer we'll have to discuss per- possibly on an upcoming uh, mm-hmm. episode. We'll have to. Delve into that. As I said earlier, we will have tons of content of episodes to do. We have so many. Like if we just talk about each each um, announcement as its own episode, that will last us for so long. <laughs> we got we got so much to talk about. Um, but our next episode is going to be the Mandalorian finale with Mike Self, our producer, and then after that, we're gonna have our mega show which is going to be fun to have. We have lots of people coming on for that one. Um, mm. uh, Christmas special. Christmas we'll Christmas spectacular. Look back at all of season two and uh, have our, I guess, our final rankings. Mm-hmm. Final rankings. Uh, talk about this year in Star Wars with other things. It'll, it'll be a Maybe great... Maybe some speculations. Or speculation. By that time, we'll have speculation for season three. Absolutely. We'll definitely have some ideas. Mm-hmm. It'll just be, it'll be a fun way to end out 2020 and uh, and hopefully in 2021 would be much better. Yes, um, <clears throat> it must be. It needs it, yeah. it needs to be. Um, but Mandalorian season two has been the best thing about 2020 so far. Facts, absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, so you can find us on Simplecast, which is our primary place. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Podcasts through Google Play. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio. You can listen to us on Radio.com. And I'm sure there are others that I'm missing. Um, But we were in a lot of places. And then you can also find our Facebook at Two Sons of Tatooine. Um, We post all our new episodes, all new information, things like that. We also, I write book reviews for Roku Depot. Um, They're mostly Star Wars book reviews, although I will have some other types of book reviews coming soon. Um, You can find those at RokuDepot.com. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan, a.k.a. NP. And thank you for listening to Two Sons of Tatooine.